Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. We are only 19 days away from college football, folks. That's right, 19 days. That's less than three weeks. NFL preseason already started last Thursday. We had the Hall of Fame kickoff game, and then we've got week one of the preseason this week. Lions are going on Friday against the Giants, having the practice session with them this week. Be a good barometer to see where they're at because the Giants are, were a playoff team last year, won a game, pretty decent team. This is the 134th edition of the TFS Pod. We got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened. What did we do was the last Monday or Tuesday we did it. So in the last six days, holy cow, a lot has happened. Um, wild news week. Um, Things just keep getting murkier and murkier with college athletics. We'll talk about that here shortly, and we'll hit the podium as always. I'm going to stick with Detroit here this week. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, the Lions, it's weird to say that the Lions are Detroit's hope right now that to revive the city and give them a winner because they're the most ready this year that for the first time ever in 21 years of Ford Field. Season tickets sold out for the Lions. Next year, there's already a wait list for it. The hype is real. Now, has there been hype in the past in my lifetime? Yeah, a few times. I don't think this much, and there's never been a culture like this. Can they deliver? I pray to God they can, because Detroit deserves this more than any city. We've gone through the ringer. The Tigers have been bad for a while. The Wings haven't been good for a few years. Traditionally great, but not the last few years. They're getting better, though. The Pistons have been really bad, really, since... I, I was like eight years old, um, and the Lions have, you know, they've made the playoffs a couple times, but I haven't won a division since 91. Um, I haven't won a playoff game since then either. So let's do it this year. Give them, let's put their our eggs in their basket. Let's hope. Let's root for them. Let's get them to where they want to go. Um, I think they can do it. They can revive the city of Detroit, and I can't, we deserve this winner. And once Detroit wins, I can't wait to see what Detroit's like. I can't imagine being a playoffs with that team, with this city. Um, that'd be great. Praying for it. Make this like a 1984 Tigers run. That was a good team that was supposed to be decent and just took off like a bat out of hell, 35-5. and five, You know, pretty average the rest of the way. And then, of course, we know, won the World Series, last one for the Tigers. So um, let's hope for the Lions. All right, my podium. This will probably not be a topic I'll ever talk about again because I'm going to be honest, sorry to shun any female listeners or fans of women's soccer, but it's as, as Uncle Tom said on the golf trip, I'm over it. As soon as I told him that the women's national team lost to Sweden and I believe the round of 16. Why am I bringing it up for a podium? Because I'm just going to say, <clears throat> call that's just desserts. You made this a political stand, especially Megan Raponi. Um, with your blue hair and your kneeling during the national anthem and people half-assing the national anthem, anthem, if they sang it at all, no hands over hearts, you were playing for the United States of America national team. 
If you didn't like it, GTFO. I'm glad you lost because you're a bunch of snot-nosed brats who needed to be put in your place. Higher than thou, mightier than thou, won three in a row. This would have been number five if they pulled it off. They've won four in total. You know, the pinnacle of soccer in, in the world for women, which is a shock because that's not the case for the men's team um, and probably never will be. Um, and I don't know if it's as much of a matter of the rest of the world catching up or the U.S. just stepping on its own transgender wieners, to be honest. Um, you've got people stumping in Raponi stumping for transgender women, a.k.a. men, to play on the women's national team. Um, you have her saying it it's a, it's a, causes violence when people speak out against that. That's what your plat. You use this as your platform for that. And I'm sorry, this conversation with a coworker who actually happened to be um, a college soccer goalie, a women's player, um, and a very good one, Division One, um, and she agreed. Like, there's, there's just, I'm sorry, sports is not a political platform. Fans don't want to hear it, especially when you're playing for your country. So I say, you know what? You got what you damn deserve. You sucked. You put in bare minimum effort from what I saw. You chastised Carly Lloyd for, oh, you're not with us anymore. You're against us. You know, no, she gets paid to call it like it is. She called it like it was. And you know what? You lost. And I don't care if you, quote, unquote, say you dominated. The scoreboard don't say so. So good riddance. Goodbye. Get out of my news feed for at least the next four years and beyond. And in the meantime, flush your program and get some American lovers on that team, not American haters. Ditto. Um, good stuff there. All right, tee-up of the week. I saw this earlier on Twitter. Watched the video, um, and it just made me angry. Um, so the Orioles, you know, they've got this guy, Kevin Brown. He, if you, You've probably heard of him if you're a college basketball fan. He's a, he does play-by-play for ESPN for college basketball. Pretty decent job. Did a lot of Big Ten games. He's the Orioles, whatever network they're on, their, their play-by-play for the season. So he starts talking about, you know, they, they start a series with the Tampa Bay Rays down, in, down at Tropicana Field, and he you know, starts listing facts that they're showing on the screen. You know, they haven't won a series there. Since 2017, their record is not very good. You know, the spitting facts. He gets suspended indefinitely by the Orioles owner because he, they said he was being too negative toward the Orioles for reading the facts for saying that they were bad against the Rays in Tropicana Field. Whoa. He didn't say anything inappropriate. He didn't swear. He didn't say anything racial. He didn't. He just said they have not played well against this the Rays. Isn't even this isn't a, a good team. It's not even a freedom of speech issue. Okay, that's that's just, just a, that's just a woke idiot just, issue, and that's, that's half Bal- of America. I mean, that's we're going to get into that in my preview tonight and the the witch hunts that go on, and you're looking for reasons to get rid of people who don't see it your way. <clears throat> people wake up. That's called socialism, communism. It's not capitalism. It's not democracy. It's not freedom of speech. And in this case. He wasn't even giving an opinion. He was giving facts. If you can't take the heat, freaking sell the team. Don't play the game. Don't listen. Uh, that's disgusting. I didn't know that before that. That, that pisses me off. Yeah. I, screw I saw, people. I saw that. So screw yeah. half of the, the world of people at least. Screw half of our country anyway. Yeah, not good. It's not cool. Um, all right. Four downs, the meat and potatoes. Here we go. Preview. First, a word from our 
Big Ten segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group. NSG is a boutique agency of experts with 30-plus years of experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post-campaign measurement. Visit norrissportsgroup.com to learn more today. All right. Thank you to our Big Ten sponsor there, um, Billy Boy. Um, appreciate you. All right, Big Ten previews. Do you want me to go first this week? Have yeah, you go first, right. as you have been. All right, Big Ten East. I am going in letter order. So I just did uh, the Buckeyes last week, TOSU this week. We've got the Nittany Lions of Penn State. Um, coming off an 11-2 and campaign. Won the Rose Bowl last year over Utah. Went 72 in the Big Ten. Pretty good. James Franklin's back. I think it was this 14. This is 10th season. There. Ryan's counting on his fingers. 10th season. Um, he's done decent. You know, he, he got that big contract a couple years ago. They didn't have a great year. Then last year they were better. Um, but they lose 19 starting quarterback. <laughs> right. The, the second best recruiting class in the Big Ten, not surprising. They always recruit well. Um, you know, they lost some key guys. Jair Brown, safety, started for a while. He's in the NFL now. Joey Porter Jr., he's a first-round pick. Um, at corner, he's gone. Juice Scruggs, he was a, a, a draft pick, offensive lineman. Parker Washington, probably their best receiver last year, he's gone, NFL. Then Brenton Strange, I think he's a third-round pick, tight end, he's gone. As well as Sean Clifford, who was literally there since before I was in college, I think. The big red um, dog. He was just average. I don't even know. Why did they keep playing him? He well, he did. broke all the records because he played because for six, he was six years. Because he six years. Yeah, that should not count. We've talked about that before. Asterisk, no way that asterisk, asterisk. So those guys are gone, among others that I did not list. There were seniors, probably missing a few, but whatever. Key returnees. They have a two-headed monster. This is the 1A, 1B with Michigan is the you know, best two-headed monster probably in the country at, at running back. Nick Singleton, who freshman last year, um, you know, highly touted guy coming out of high school. He was really good, 1,000-plus yards. And Catron Allen was his – they were thunder and lightning, but really both lightning because they're both fast and they can really bring the boom. Um, this guy's really good. I think he had close to 1,000 yards. That's – Pretty dang good. They were both freshmen last year. That's that's impressive. And then they have Trey Potts also, who was at Minnesota. Wasn't a bad back. He comes in, he's like their third guy. So they have a really good backfield. Their quarterback, Drew Alar, he got some, some tick last year. Played in like seven or eight games, I think. Didn't start any, but got some experience. He's 6'5", 240. You know, he's that prototypical pro-style quarterback. You know, as a cannon for an arm, can run a little bit. Scouts oozing over him, you know, oh, he's going to be the next big thing. Can he be? I think he can. I mean, he's, he's got all the measurables. He's got the, you know, intangibles. Can he actually put it together and be good? We'll see um, here in the next few weeks. But I think he's a chance to be really good. Then their best receiver coming back is Keandre Smith-Lambert. He was pretty good for him last year. And Theo Johnson, tight end, he had some, some touchdowns from last year. And then their defense which I think um, is going to be really good. Um, they've got Abdul Carter coming back. He was a freshman last year. He was a really good linebacker. Um, and Curtis Jacobs, he's he's back in his fifth year. He was really good at linebacker. And Kobe King, Detroit guy, shocking, lost out. Uh, Michigan State lost out to Penn State there. He's another linebacker that's really good. Then they have Kalen King, who's a cornerback also from Detroit. I think with the cast tech ranked as one of the top corners in the country by pro football focus 
Um, he's going to be really good. And then at the end, they got Chop Robinson. He's really good. Transferred over from Maryland. Um, he's kind of viewed as maybe even a first-round pick for next year. And then on their offensive line, their bookend left tackle, Olu Fashuna, um, he was supposed to be like a top-10 pick last year, and he decided to come back for another year. So hopefully he won't get hurt or anything like some guys do that come back. But really good player. They've got a lot coming back. Uh, newcomers, so they have, you know, you got to fill a void at, at receiver with Washington leaving, so they bring in Dante Cephas. He was a, a pretty good receiver for Kent State, pretty big body. Um, they're hoping he can kind of take over that. You know, Penn State always has a good receiver. They had Dotson. Um, you know, they've had Allen Robinson. They had K.J. Hamler. You know, they've had a lot of really, really good guys. Um, they're hoping that he can maybe be the next one. Then Davian Collins, he's a cornerback trainer from Mississippi State. Might start on the other side opposite Kalen King. Um, and Tony Rojas, he was a four-star, almost five-star linebacker. He might honestly play starter snaps for them. He's really good. Then Javen Williams, five-star offensive tackle come in. Might be their right tackle. Then King Mack. Um, very highly touted safety. I think he was the number one or two safety in the class. Four-star, really good. Probably will play a decent amount. Um, so new t- full-time quarterback, that's a, a change, obviously. Like we said, it's been – it was McSorley than him. Um, so they've had, like, two quarterbacks since I was a junior in high school, basically, which is ridiculous. Um, great potential in defense. I think that's going to probably be one of the top three units in the Big Ten. <laughs> Heard this little gem on – um, the radio the other I thought was funny. James Franklin as Penn State's coach versus top 10 teams. What do you think his record is? Uh, what do you consider top, top? Oh, top 10? Yeah, top oh, 10. I you meant top teams in the Big Ten. Um, I would say 3 and 12. 3 and 20. Wow. It's like Harbaugh. And then Harbaugh kind of took off, obviously, the last couple of years. That's not very good. Let's look at their schedule. The Nittany Lions. It's like Nebraska with their king of close uh, losses. Yeah, right. Or 26 losses by touchdown so or less. So in a normal season, if you took us back to 2000, between 2005 and 2010, this would be the best game of the week, first game of the season, unbelievable. Penn State, West Virginia. West Virginia is horrible. Picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. At home, that's what Penn State gets them. It's a night game. They'll blow them out. They're not good. Is that their uh, whiteout game? Um, I'm not sure what the No, right probably not. Is. It'll probably be then the, then the Delaware fighting Tyler Coopers come to town. <laughs> That's right. Um, get a win. Then they go to Illinois. You know, they, they had that, whatever, seven overtime derby a couple of years ago against them. Um, I think they get revenge and get a win. Then Iowa comes down. That might be their whiteout game. Um, Could be. That'll, that'll be a good one. They usually have good battles with Iowa. Always have. I think they get the win there. Then they go to Northwestern. Easy win. Um, then a bye week, um, which would be week six. Then UMass comes to town, easy dub. And they go to well a, be D3. Then, their, then their season really starts. They go to Ohio State. I have them losing that one. They always play Ohio State tough, but I feel like they always come out on, you know, on the bottom there. Then they have home against Indiana, win that. At Maryland, they'll win that. Then they have Michigan at home. Michigan is their number. Um, they're going to lose to them. Then they go... Um, they're stay at home for the senior day, um, playing Rutgers. They'll win that. Then they go to Ford Field to play Michigan State um, in a pseudo home game for Michigan State. Not really. This is home for Penn State, who recruits the hell out <laughs> right, of Detroit. Right, that's their stomping grounds for recruiting. I have them beating Michigan State. 
Um, that's good for three and zero out of conference, seven and two in the Big Ten, ten and two overall. That'd be third in the Big Ten um, East, which is I mean ten and two. If you're Absurd. ten and two, that would win the West by going away. I have them going ten and two, seven and two, Big Ten, going to the Orange Bowl, New Year's Six. Could be a really good season for them. I think that you know a worst case scenario is probably like an eight and four, unless they have injuries and Alar is not as good as he you know they think he is, but I think he's going to be pretty good. And with that run game and defense, you don't have to do too much. No, I mean, if you can run and play good defense and control the clock, that's kind of like Illinois preview last week. Like, you give yourself a chance in every game while right. you bring your other players around. And I, I would agree. I think their out-of-conference is laughable. I mean, whatever, they schedule this stuff in advance. But Delaware and UMass are both 1AA or FCS. Right. So that's ridiculous. They play Illinois okay and Iowa okay out of the West, but then Northwestern, worst team in all of the Big Ten. Um, yeah. I have the same exact prediction as Ryan. Same win, same losses. 7-2, 10-2, uh, third place and going to the New Year's Six. Um, I think Penn State could be good, potentially special, but um, I don't know, not with Ohio State and Michigan there, and in particular Michigan in the league this year. All right. As we've been, um, Ryan, going alphabetical with Michigan State last, alphabetical by height. Um, and I'm doing the Big Ten West, and I'm going in order of finish this week on the clock. And again, thank you, sportsreference.com, College Football News, Athlon, for giving me some of the uh, fodder to build this preview. Uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, five-year conference trend, 2018, 3-6 in the Big Ten West, tied for fifth. 2019, 7-2, tied for first. I believe a tiebreaker kept them out of Indy. Uh, 2020 COVID year again doesn't really count. Three and four, fourth. Nobody played an even schedule. Whatever. 2021 six and three tied for second in the West. And last year 2022 five and four tied for second. So pretty decent um, under Coach Fleck. Last year I had them pegged, I believe, almost exactly. I had them three and zero, oh, five and four, eight and four, tied for second, and that is exactly what they did. Except for I had them going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. They went to the Pinstripe Bowl. I'd have to look specifically to tell you. Did I pick all their wins and losses right? But I think I had them the most right out of everybody because I was green across the board in my in my numerical predictions anyway, except for the bowl game. So 2023 outlook, let's start with this. The P.J. Fleck hazing witch hunt is a total pile of horse eep. Couple of butthurt kids that aren't wanting to do what it takes to behave, to improve, and to win, complain, and of course, the woke media starts shooting gasoline-fueled flaming arrows at the program. Look, we talked about it a little bit last week. Is P.J. Fleck weird? Yeah, weird as hell. Um, does he run a dirty program, by all accounts? No. You got a couple of bad apples trying to just kind of upset the apple cart because, oh, coach made me put on weight by drinking extra protein shakes. Are you effing kidding me? What sports program in America doesn't do that? That's your job. That's what you're on scholarship That's why you're for. Getting paid. Especially if you're playing, if you're like playing an offensive line position, you're coming out of high school. You're a scrawny little bastard. You're not ready to play Big Ten football. So of course they're going to ask you to put on weight and then turn it into muscle by working hard. Bunch of crybabies. That out of the way. Here's a fun stat: Minnesota has gone to four bowl games in flex six seasons. They've won all four. Impressive, because if you look back in history, they got to a lot of bowl games under Jerry Kill. They didn't win them. Um, it's impressive for a program that has had blips over the years, but they always kind of struggled to really maintain. 
Um, they have gone to 18 total um, since 1999, bowl games it is, so 14 other ones outside of Fleck. Um, but those were usually seven, maybe at best an eight, one or two nine-win seasons in, in most of those years. So they were six-win eke into it, seven-win season eke into it. Let's go a little further back in history. The Gophers won the Natty in 1960. Yep, I mean, those 13 years before I was live, but apparently that's what the, the annuals say. Um, they won three Natties between 1931 and 1941, that quote count. If you ask Michigan um, for the what counts, they probably would tell you they would have had 10 in an era when they really had one. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, Minnesota last won an outright Big Ten title. Outright, so they've had some shared, but in 1941. Um, yep, they have had good, but not great, middling, not contending, down pat. That said, the Golden Gophers have won 11, 9, and 9, and 3 the last four years. Not a bad step up. So what does 2023 have in store? A bunch of five- and six-year players depart, including Mo Ibrahim and Tanner Morgan, plus some of the hosses up front, but there is a level of consistency that has been created in many. Can Fleck and Co. fill the holes? Are some guys who got key reps last year ready for the full spotlight? Minnesota isn't a dark horse, but also isn't the favorite. I'd say that's just how they want it, kind of like Michigan State that way. Let's look at the offense. This was the biggest overhaul the offensives had to undertake in Flex Minnesota tenure. Mo Ibrahim was the program's leading career rusher, so even with Western Michigan stud transfer Sean Taylor coming in, there have to be a few questions here. Tanner Morgan was a long-term mainstay as QB1, but injury last year paved the way for it. Is it Athen or Athen? Athen? I don't know. He's got a weird... Kaliak Manis, the Greek, who got his feet wet last year and led a big win over rival Wisconsin. He has a cannon for an arm and a stud group of wideouts to spread the ball around to. In fact, Fleck hit his former employer here, too, gaining sneaky good transfer Corey Crooms, Crooms, that is, sorry, from the Broncos. Flow in Charlotte producer Elijah Spencer and the return of last year injured Chris Autumn Bell, plus 6-7 preseason All-American tight end Brevin Spahn Ford. This group of pass catchers is second best to the Ohio State cachet of wideout weaponry. My biggest question is up front. Lose a center to the NFL, a rookie starter for the Giants more than likely, and John Michael, don't call me Jingleheimer Schmitz, plus two others, and you've got a veritable patchwork to protect Kaliak Manis, open holes for Taylor, and get the squad rolling. Coach Fleck and new co-offensive coordinators Matt Simon and Greg Harbaugh Jr. will focus on building the front around all Big Ten potential talents in guard Quinn Carroll and O.T. Arante Irsiri. And if that gets the job done, look out west because they've got plenty of other skilled players at the talent positions. They're just not really Minnesota guys or Big Ten guys. So will that translate? We'll find out. Defense. Gophers will need to replace a handful of key players from a unit that ranked fourth nationally in scoring defense. 13.8. Pretty impressive. Ninth in yards allowed. Less than 300 at 295.1 a game. It was also the best in the Big Ten and among the best in the nation in third down stops and finished eighth in the country in total defense, and it did so with absolutely no pass rush or pressure whatsoever. In fact, Minnesota ranked 118th nationally in sacks and made it a primary point of emphasis, no kidding, in the offseason. But while they try to improve there, strength is the interior where a slew of guys rotate in and focus on stopping the run and do it well. Danny Strigow is the best returning producer on the edge and looks to have a breakout season. 
At linebacker, Cody Lindenberg has a high athletic ceiling. And shocker, on the way from Western Michigan is Ryan Selig, a ready-made man for the middle who made 135 tackles and 12 and a half tackles for loss over the last two seasons for the Broncos. The secondary was the hardest-hit position group in terms of losses with safety Jordan Howden and cornerback Terrell Smith off to the NFL, while nickelback Michael Dixon transferred to Rutgers. Darius Green appears up to the challenge at safety. He did show potential in the pinstripe bowl last December. The Gophers likely are going to need an unexpected contributor to step up at cornerback opposite budding lockdown corner Justin Wally. Safety Tyler Newbin has a shot to be an All-American Um, He's drawing some comparisons to Gophers great and Tampa Bay Buccaneer Antoine Winfield Jr. um, as lately as spring practices. Special teams couldn't find a ton on Minnesota. They're replacing their kicker, Matthew Trickett. They've got three players vying for the role, and Dragon Kish appears to be the front runner for that job. Um, As we know, special teams doesn't get a whole lot of press, but it is equally important um, because if you have a crappy kicker, it can be the difference between staying at home Uh, in December, January, or moving on, ask Michigan State. Final take as the dogs go crazy upstairs. Can this squad be 2019 good? And reminder, that's when they went 7-2 in the Big Ten. There's a chance, after all, Minnesota plays in the West. But seriously, despite a spate of sizable losses to the NFL, the Gophers complement a nice set of returners with a sneaky good transfer portal haul. Let's call it Western Michigan University West. The schedule is arguably the toughest in the West. However, starting with a league contest in Nebraska, then soon after a road trip to North Carolina for probably the toughest Big Ten roadie, I would say, except for Ohio State State and Notre Dame. That's the toughest roadie out of conference. And, oh, Michigan and Ohio State from the East. Um, Sneak up and win a game they shouldn't, and the Wisconsin game could be a play-in for Indy. So with that, I'm going to say their floor is probably 6-6, and and it maybe is even... I don't think it's worse than six and six. I mean, we'll look at their schedule in a minute. I think their ceiling is nine and three. I think they could have a really good season. I think they could get to Indy. Prediction wise, I've got them beating Nebraska to start the season. I've got them beating uh, actually a sneaky good Eastern Michigan team at home. Eastern Michigan has beaten Big Ten teams before, um, but I have them winning that game. Then they go to North Carolina. That's going to be a tough one. I've got them losing that. They go to Northwestern. They get the ship righted with a big win. Louisiana Lafayette win. Then they got Michigan for the Little Brown Jug. Sorry, Gophs. I think you'll you'll actually make it a game, but I, I think Michigan wins that game going away in the second half, so that's a loss. Then a bye week to prepare for a trip to Iowa, which could be kind of a pivotal game. It's one of those floor-ceiling type of games. I've got the Gophers losing that. I've got them beating Michigan State, Illinois, and then at Purdue in a row before losing at Ohio State and then losing at Wisconsin to go 2-1 and one out of conference, 5-4 and four in the Big Ten, Good for seven and five overall, tied for third, and a trip to the guaranteed rate bowl. All right, how do you I like them? it? I could see that. Um, I have them same as you. You know, two and one out of or two and one to start. Beat beat Nebraska, um, beat Eastern, losing North Carolina. Um, then have a win the next two. Lose to Michigan. Lose to Iowa. Lose to Michigan State. Um, I'm going six and six, four and five in the Big Ten. Oh, you're not as high on their skill guys, huh? Yeah, I mean, Quickly like I said, that's that's my. I I don't think they'll be worse than bull eligible, but I do yeah, think I do think they could be good because it's the West. You put them in the East, they're the fourth best team at best. I mean, I think they're probably on par with, if not better, than Maryland, who I have finishing tied for fourth in the East. So, 
Um, that's kind of where it comes down to. So you can kind of do the math and see what's coming up. We only have two two left, don't we? Two more weeks of previews left. Yeah. Yeah, All right. Rutgers and Michigan State left. Rutgers and Michigan State, and I've got Iowa and Wisconsin. Who's going to win the Big Ten West? Let's tune in and find out. Hmm. Spot two, second right. down. Yeah, yeah. mailbag hodgepodge. You want to start with a couple things? Yeah, ripped through them. Lions just signed Teddy Bridgewater. Interesting. Yeah, going to um, keep three quarterbacks? No. I think, didn't they kind of make it well, so it's easier to keep three quarterbacks? Well, they, you can do like the emergency like COVID quarterback, I think, just in case someone gets hurt oh, or whatever. Right. But I, I'm guessing they'll cut, they'll put like Sudfeld on the practice squad. Didn't they draft a quarterback? <clears throat> but he's on the NFI non-football injured list, and they, he's not going to play this year, so let's keep him on there all year. Oh, yeah, Let true. him get healthy. I didn't know that he was on with, the NFI. With uh, Hooker, so... Oh, that's right, because he tore his ACL. Teddy B, that's a good backup, just in case there's an, an issue. The Lions like to draft guys who've torn up their knees. Yeah, they love it. They always have. The, uh, if you didn't see it, look it up. The uh, Indians, that's what they are, not the Guardians. The Indians and White Sox, the fight, little brawl that took place. Hockey style. That was the only awesome. thing missing his, was, was pulling a jersey up. over the That was awesome. He was pulling a jersey over put his the head. the fists up, just started throwing them. I love Haymakers. it. Haymakers. They get suspended for that many games, I don't think. Um Baseball kind of, to be honest, baseball kind of needs some of that drama. Once yeah, in a while. it makes it more fun. Both, yeah. the, I mean, the 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 Indians aren't terrible. But Everybody and their freaking brother makes the playoffs anymore. When I was a kid, you had two divisions: the AL East and the and the AL West, and the, each team had whatever eight, whatever it was, seven or eight teams. Um, I think it was seven teams because there were probably twenty eight or thirty teams in the major leagues at that time. And I mean, like there was no play in game. Like the um, West played the East in a five-game series to go to the World Series. Like, when the Tigers went in 84, they beat the Royals in best of five. And when they lost uh, in the playoffs in 87, it was to the Twins in a best of five. So, like, that was when it was a lot harder to make the playoffs. And I I get they value playoffs because that's exciting and that's when I tune in. But, like, what's everybody gets a trophy, too? Like, I mean, come on. you got to make it a little tougher. And if you want to value the playoffs that much, then make the season shorter. Right. I've argued that yeah, in every like sport one, forever. Make it like 100 games. Of like the NBA has gone to like four teams have shots for the eighth seed. It's like, why? Why? If they suck all season, what they don't deserve an extra special shot. I mean, the right. Heat ended up earning their way to the NBA Finals because of it this year. But like, I just... That doesn't happen too often. No. It just... I don't know. I think it's worthless, but whatever. Shocking. Um, all right. Got that done. Um, AJ Hogard saw this video. Jonathan Gibnoy's uh, he writes for Draft Express. He's a you know scouting guy. Put out this video of AJ Hogard at the CP3 Elite Guard Camp. Looks trim. His jumper was he saw pure. That sideshow Bob hair. Yeah, he still got his hair. Uh, he was backing down guys, hitting fadeaway jumpers, step backs, Dean people. He, he was he was guarding Demar Derozan one on one. Swatted him, stole it from him a couple times. Um, said he looks really good and ready to go. I hope that's the case because if he's really good and he's focused for five months, Michigan State might be cutting down some nets next season. Um, Especially with the talent they've got around yes. him, Aikens and I think he's a straw that stirs the drink. I mean, he's got to be the guy. He is. I mean, he came up big last year. I look, he biffed a lot. Too many laps for my liking and whatever else. But you know, if he keeps working on that and gets a more consistent outside shot. Look out, because Tyson Walker is already a dead eye from outside, and Aikens can do it inside and outside, off the dribble, 
or shooting the ball, and he can defend. And we haven't even started to talk about all the other players they have to compliment him. So yeah, um, excited for that. They dropped the uh, first coaches poll, preseason coaches poll today. Formerly the Amway coaches poll, which yours truly. Yeah, Michigan was number. Michigan deal. State's playing four teams in the uh, top eleven. Yikes! That's fun. Michigan's second, Ohio State's fourth, um, Penn State's seventh, Washington's eleventh. Surprisingly, um, Oregon State eighteen. That's an interesting one. Um, Off to the Mountain West. Oklahoma wasn't very good, um, and they're nineteen. They were not very good last year. Wisconsin's twenty first, Tulane twenty third. That's cool. Texas they had a good Tech season 24th. last year. Texas A and M twenty fifth. Of course they are because everyone loves them. Iowa yeah. was the twenty um, sixth team. Um, Receiving votes, Michigan State did not get one vote for the top twenty-five as they should, probably shouldn't. But it's interesting. Freaking UTSA was 29th. Um, yeah, that is interesting. It's pretty funny. Um, realignment. Um, well, can we get? Well, let's get to that in a minute. Okay. I want to. I want to give this one first thing because we need to spend. We're going to spend some time there. Um, first, a little shout out to Mitch, longtime listener, first time caller. Some great lines in Michigan State football mailbag ideas. We will save those until those previews here in the next couple weeks. But one I wanted to throw out this week, courtesy of Mitch, best trophy in sports. What's the best college sports trophy, Ryan? College sports? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, most of them are those kind of... You know, like chintzy high school looking wood. Yeah, like the you know, national whatever. championship trophy, the the college football playoff trophy, or the college fo- the coaches trophy. Sweet, the crystal ball. Coaches trophy is the yeah, best. Yeah, the coaches trophy for football or basketball. I'd say those are. Sweet. Yeah, the coach, the yeah, the basketball one is that nice. That's crystal sweet. basketball. Michigan State's got a couple of them. The, I think somebody sh- I can't remember who it was. Might have been Billy Donovan shattered it or whatever. Um, and those are I can attest those are expensive. They're made custom made at. Um, the uh, in Ireland at the glass factory, but I would agree the coaches trophy. I got to handle that thing a lot when I had that that Amway coaches pool sponsorship. That is a cool trophy. Of course, it kind of got shelved when they went to the playoff, and Dr Pepper being the big sponsor of that. But the crystal ball was always the trophy. It still gets handed out to everybody uh, who wins the national championship because that's the coaches trophy. Um, the coaches really appreciate it. I would agree with that for college. How about for pro? Stanley Cup. I agree. Yeah, Stanley Without Cup is Stanley just, Cup. it's got so much history, um, stories behind it and whatever. So then Mitch's question is, okay, was best college, best pro? We agree on those two. Does either of those trophies beat a green jacket? I think the Stanley Cup's the best no matter what. I, I think so too. I, I just I, I just do. Green jacket's cool, but man, I could I can go to Joseph A. Bank and get one close. Stanley Cup is sweet. Yeah, the Stanley Cup is the is the best. I mean, the World Series trophy is kind of weird. Whatever. Yeah, I picture Seinfeld when like George is driving or dragging it around behind his car in the parking lot, trying to get fired from the Yankees. Um, the Lombardi's cool. I would say that's the second best. Yeah, the, O'Brien, the O'Brien's okay too. You know, for um, for hoops, but yeah, pro trophies are definitely better than college trophies, except for the crystal ball. I think. Um, the crystal ball is fantastic, but then, I mean, Stanley Cup. The only thing probably better, honestly, Mitch, I would say for my money, I'd rather have a Claret Jug than a green jacket. Claret Jug's sweet. So Wanamaker's massive. Yeah, that is a big trophy. It's heavy. 
All right, now now we got to get into the conference stuff because I mean, how can we not? I I meant to bring it downstairs and I left it up in my backpack, but it was roughly when USC and UCLA joined the Big Ten last year that if you listen to the podcast, if you want to go find it, it was I think it was in June July last year. I broke down what I viewed the conference alignment looking like by like twenty thirty, which was if I remember correctly, 48 teams in the SEC and 48 teams in the Big Ten. In essence, you know, six, eight-team conferences in each, really. Um, And I, like, laid out how they would figure out who got to play for the championship, and it was going to be more NFL style and whatever. I I still think we're probably getting pretty close to that. But obviously, last week going into the podcast, we had Colorado making the first kind of seismic shift and saying, screw you, Pac-12. We're going back to the Big 12. Big 12 started rubbing their hands together and like, who can we get next? Meanwhile, Washington and Oregon, who I think the Big 10 really has been courting since USC and UCLA came. Yeah, no way. There have been some rumors that USC said, we do not want them in. You know, we're not going to come in if they, but I I don't think you can make that choice anymore. Um, So US, Washington and Oregon have been waiting so that was not a surprise to be the next shift. And there, then the Pac-12, as you know, it crumbles. Because Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah all also go to the Big 12. So now, instead of two, I still think it could end up being two power conferences. Because if you look at the TV deals for those, it's not even close. Like the Big 10 and the SEC get the most money by far. Oh, yeah. 12 okay. ACC is not great, and they signed, they stupidly signed, yeah, they're, a, big, they're, the they signed a huge massive. deal, and, and their deal goes to like 2034 or something. That's why Florida State wants out um, of that. So will the ACC crumble next is the big question. And then if that starts to happen, I just, I don't see three, only three power leagues. I think four makes a little bit more sense. I guess it doesn't really matter. Well, Stanford with, and Cal talking to the ACC right now. Yeah, so, so I mean, if, if teams move to the ACC, I think that bolsters that you're going to probably have a four-mega four conference um, future. But there, I have so many questions around this conference realignment. Throw away, not throw away, cause, not because it doesn't matter, but throw out the traditional stuff. Like Ryan and I agree Tom, who we were on a golf trip, and Alex agree. A lot of people agree it sucks, right? Like the the Rose Bowl as we know it and love it is dead. It's been kind of dying a slow death because of first BCS and then, well, but I mean, even just from matchups wise, BCS kind of started it because every four or however many years it was in the rotation as a national championship game. So that was the first time you lost the Big Ten, Pac 10, Big Whatever, Pac Whatever. Um, matchup that was so traditional forever. Um, and then the, the play, college football playoff kind of kept that the same way. Rose Bowl obviously won the New Year's Six, but, it, you know, like this year is the national championship game in essence. So that has been kind of dying a slow death, but it is dead, dead now. Unless the Big Ten is going to play the Mountain West, which absorbed the rest of the Pac-12, Right. Is that well, the plan, basically? No, no, because... Well, Oregon State, Washington State, right? Except maybe, for maybe Stanford yes. and Cal. So they took Oregon I don't know State. what they're going to do. So no the Pac-12 might, is I heard dead. they might join the AAC. Who? Stan, or the, I mean, if the ACC doesn't work, it would be the AAC with like Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. Oh, so they're going to potentially stay as a package together. I thought the Mountain West was a done deal. 
Um, no. Anyway, the Pac-10, Pac-12 is dead, and it's because their commissioner couldn't get a good TV deal done. I mean, bottom line. Apple TV. Yeah, which would which means subscribers, which is great because there's so many things. But like people, people cord cut over the last few years. But they're getting to a point where if you add up all the apps, they cost as much as having cable or direct TV or better yet, like we switched to YouTube TV. And then if you want to supplement it like the Big Ten, if we had to supplement to get Peacock to be able to see the games, okay, that's one. But who's going to want to buy multiple apps on top of whatever their other regular TV is? It's like, so as soon as he couldn't pull off a good deal, and oh, by the way, other news, not in the conference realignment, is there's a good rumor that Disney, because they're losing their ass for being woke, is going to go completely streaming or sell off their ESPN assets, and then who knows what's going to happen. And if they go completely streaming with ESPN, they're talking to break even. They would have to charge $30 a month no per subscriber. Gonna, no one's going to pay for that. No, to cover the SEC and everything. Nobody's going to pay for that. Their talk shows are dead. No I certainly wouldn't pay anymore. for that. No like way. The ESPN that I grew up with, which is the beginning of... ESPN itself and rug, you know, Australian rules football in the middle of the day and replays of things. And then it kind of morphed into finally Sports Center became their franchise. Like, if I'm SVP, GTFO, man, get out, come over to Fox, go to CBS, go to go somewhere else that's going to pay you because you're brilliant and you're the only, the only really big name truly they have left. Like, and this is all driven by the conference realignment. So, I don't, Ryan, I'll let you kind of weigh in on that, and then I've got something I want to bring up from Missouri's coach. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, just wild. It's just in the blink of it. I mean, what? It was yes, and it was no, then it was yes, you know, right, last been, week. Right. Uh, yeah, we're not going to do it. Then you know, overnight, die, and then, you know, you rear on your phone. Oh, it's they're they're going. Just a... It's it's a weird situation. Um, it's I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns. I mean, with these kit, what's going to happen with the non-revenue sports? Are they going to really fly a softball team from Rutgers to Washington on a Tuesday night? Like you know how much money that costs. Why and so that so those student athletes. What's going to happen to the MAC? And yeah, what happens? You know, to all the, those the teams? middle, the middle of the road the conferences. Mac, you know, the Sun Belt, all these smaller companies, group of five companies. Because this is what's going to happen: is riddle me this: How does the Big Ten now the Big Eighteen? Is that right? Where they are? Yeah, now? it's eighteen. Big Eighteen, and maybe soon to be Big Twenty. How do you not split that into divisions, or at least? Take ten of your regular season, twelve regular season games, and play against your own conference. Like, there's no way you can argue that if you have eighteen team conference, you know you're going to play nine conference games is all. So you, half the league you're not even going to touch. What if you just get lucky and you play the nine dog do teams, and then you get to go to the college football playoff? No. So even that extra game ten. Like they're gonna the Big Ten and the SEC when they get this way, they're gonna have to put their eggs in playing each other, um, and that's what TV's gonna want more. So who gets screwed out of that? Well, first teams like Michigan don't get the cupcake wins that they that they like so much, or you know whatever schedule we just looked at that as a cupcake schedule, Penn State. Um, so that's gonna go away. But more important is that those schools get paid. Like 
years ago, Mark Hollis made a great deal with Western, Eastern, and Central. And Eastern ended up opting out of it because they were teetering on the edge of whether they were going to keep football. But there was a great deal that over a 10 or 12-year span, Michigan State would play one of those schools on a rotation all the time and even go play road games. And they did. They played at Central. And they played at Western. They never did go to play at Eastern but because Eastern opted out of the contract at that right. point. But like those schools, even when Michigan State went there, Michigan State gave them a million dollars or a million five to do that. So all these, you know, Louisiana, uh, Troy, uh, you know, Coastal Carolina, Liberty, they're getting bank to go get their butts kicked by Big Ten schools, SC schools, or whatever. And right. then once in a while, shock teams, you know, like Central's beaten us a handful of times and whatever else. That Where does that go? How 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 right. do you have that when, how can you make the argument that you still get to play two or three out-of-conference cupcakes, not play more than 12 regular season games, because that's, you know, quote-unquote, kids' safety is the concern. I disagree with that, but whatever. Um, that's their party line anyway. Like, So how are those schools going to live? I mean, I think when I made the case for two 48-team conferences, I said everybody else slid into what is now FCS, basically, and they just kind of vied for their own national championship, just like FCS. And even if you join that group together and do a playoff like the current FCS, I mean, what what else could happen? I, I, I just can't yeah. see – I can't see it going any other way than to do that. And even then – how long can an Eastern Michigan fund a football program if like 20,000 people go to a game and you got to pay for all these scholarships and stuff like they're going to shudder. They're, they're just going to now basketball. Basketball is kind of the same thing, right? Like in a the big 10 plays 20 conference games. If there are 18 conference teams, they're not going to play 17 teams once right. and two teams or three teams twice like they're going to have to make that a twenty-four game conference schedule. That means less for the for the little guys. And by the way, I'm okay with that. Like Michigan State plays Duke or Kansas or Kentucky every year. We play tough teams. You know, Michigan State does not shy away from that. That's an ISO thing. And I we don't play very many of the Browns or Texas Southerns or you know whatever. And I'm okay losing some of those games. But again, for those schools, they lose a lot. They lose. A once in a lifetime trip to actually play in on TV at a historic place, right? Like the little guy has not been considered. So, like the question that I had, and I'm going to read this thing from Missouri's head football coach, who had a great press and conference. Saban hates it a lot of those guys. Hate Where it. is the consideration for the student athlete? Ryan talked about Rutgers flying across the country to play Washington on a Tuesday. What about the parents? And this coach gets into that a little bit. And how, as I just talked about, will the little school survive? So. Um, Missouri head football coach Eli Drinkwitz did we count the cost for the student athletes involved in this decision we're talking about a football decision but what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross country do we know what the number one symptom or cause of mental health is it's lack of rest and sleep traveling in those baseball softball games they they travel commercial they get done playing at four. They got to go to the airport. They come back at three or four in the morning. They got to go to class. I mean, did we ask any of them their opinion? I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football is going to be fine. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted that we are entrusted to with, as in AKA to protect? Did we consider the student athlete? And then he, not in this statement that I just read, but he talked about the parents, like. 
do we consider the parent, like we'll use myself as an example, and I would have found a way to do it, but like I followed Ryan, you know, all around the Midwest and then down to Florida for his four-year Division Three basketball career, um, you know, and I would have tried to find a way if he was playing Big Ten football as a tight end to go to all of his games too. Like, and at least in the Big Ten, there are the regular footprint, the old footprint, you could drive everywhere. You can't drive to L.A. to play USC and UCLA. That stuff gets expensive. And, oh, by the way, a lot of these kids that are going to college, their way into college was a sport, meaning their families don't really necessarily come from a lot of money. So now all of a sudden they've got to watch the games on TV and they can't go to watch junior play in person. Like, I get it. The ship has sailed. The train has left the station. The toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no way we can put it back. But, like, for real. Consider these things, but oh, we're talking about conferences and money and the NCAA and money. Like nobody considers the actual ramifications of these things. No, I mean it's it's unbelievable, and it'll be really interesting. I mean, I, again, for football, I think it works. For basketball, my number one fear is for those people that have been trying to be proponents to make it a 96 team tournament it's going to happen because people are going to argue that the 14th best big 10 team which is still pretty dang good should be in the tournament um and so how are you going to do that i hope that doesn't happen but i know that's where it's going and you know i got the move to 68 because it kind of got a few more of those little teams in and gave you something to talk about I, I mean, the move to 32, to 48, to 64, to 68 has, has taken seismic shifts over time and been a big deal. I guarantee you that's going to be the next thing. It's going to come out this fall. It's going to come out next fall. They're going to go to a 96-team tournament, and it's just it's just not the same, right? Like, no. it's not the same because you're still not one of the 64 best or one of the 68 best, and you didn't earn your way in. And it's disappointing. I mean, it's not going to change. Us being disappointed isn't going to change it. So now it's kind of like what happens next. I'll be super interested to see what happens with Stanford and Cal because I think if they go solo to the ACC, for example, I think the ACC survives um, maybe with some other changes there. I think Oregon State and Washington State get left holding the bag. They probably end up in the Mountain West with Boise and you know those teams, which isn't, as Uncle Tom would say, Okay, so Oregon State and Washington State, how often do they really go for a Big Ten or a Pac-12 title? Right. Not very. And they could win, so put the marketing spin on it, they could win a Mountain West title. So, I don't know. I mean, we could go on and on, and as Ryan just pointed out, we're already approaching 50 minutes, so you're in for another mega podcast because there's just been so much going on lately, and we're in the, yeah. it's a preview season, so... All right, a quick word from our presenting sponsor team, Anders Realty, will help you find the home that best fits your needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, we'll try to make bracket third down here. Quick, as we've been, we started a couple weeks ago rating the position groups on the Big Ten teams. This one, I kind of just gathered facts off two or three websites, a lot of it based on individual players, and put them into a bracket. So at me if you disagree with my seeds, whatever. I think it'll be pretty clear who wins this anyway. So first up, in the 12-13 game, you've got Indiana as the 12 seed and Rutgers as the 13 seed. I can throw some of the team names at, or some of the players at you if you want to know them. 
if I can get my article to come back up. Sure. Uh, hold on a second here. So this is one of, one of the better rankings I looked at is actually courtesy of Purdue's rivals site. So Indiana, um, they have Cam Camper. Um, this is their receiving core. Yep, receiving core. Yep, had 569 yards in seven games uh, last uh, year. Let's just go. With they that. have a Fordham transfer. They have a Clemson transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have um, Donovan McCauley. We'll go with Indiana. Well. I like that McCauley guy. He's okay. Uh, so you've got Indiana. It's hard to say because the records didn't even have anybody that recognized it. Most of these teams are littered with transfers at wide receiver, to be honest. So I'll go with Indiana as well, both the 12 seed. All right, and then you got the 11 seed Iowa against 14 seed Northwestern. Um, I don't know if you need Iowa. need some of the names. No, I can remember Iowa. All right, you got um, Nico Regini, Caleb Brown. Um, he was an Ohio State guy, right? Yep. So that could make them decent. Um, Northwestern, they're just going to be dog meat all all over the place. So I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with Iowa, and then you've got. Number five seed Michigan um, against, in this case, Michigan. Indiana. I would agree. They've got some. They have some good receivers. They don't have great receivers, honestly, if you look at it. Obviously, if they're no. the five seed, but they've got good receivers, and I'm sure they've got plenty of talent. You got six seed Illinois. Isaiah Williams is one of the best in the Big Ten for sure um, against Iowa. Ah, uh, Illinois. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, and then you've got seven seed Purdue against ten seed Michigan State. Michigan State dropped their seed because they Keon Coleman left. Obviously, they lose. Who the hell's Purdue have? Nobody. I've never uh, heard of them. Yeah, they've got the one dude. Uh, what's they have his one name? Good receiver. Wakefield, I think, was his name. No, Michigan State's are better. Uh, yeah, like Purdue. Michigan State's are severely underrated. Sheffield, TJ Sheffield. Michigan State's severely underrated. But he couldn't un- unseat David Bell or Charlie Jones for like. So all of a sudden he's going to be the best. I think Michigan State. I agree with that. Underrated. Um, even Under even radar. losing Coleman, you know they lost. Uh, I think that bodes better for the group, honestly, with chemistry. And they've got a lot of depth, and they've got some good recruits. And yeah, they don't have any proven guys right now. But look around the Big Ten, except for really Ohio State and a couple guys at Michigan, nobody does. It's all transfers. So I agree. I also have Michigan State. Um, then you've got Penn State, Nebraska. At eight and nine, Penn, Penn State's really Penn pretty State. unproven, and Nebraska's got some Potential. transfers. But I'm going to go with Nebraska. So you said you said uh, Penn State. I said Nebraska. Number one seed, easily Ohio State. Ohio State. Marvin State. Harrison, Ohio State, Ukanuba, or whatever his name is, Ibuka, um, Ibuka, um, Ohio State. Not even close. Not even close. Um, number four seed, Wisconsin. The Wisconsin's had some sneaky good receivers over the year and dog meat quarterbacks throwing them the ball. Now, now they're going to run the air raid, so and they we, better. We both have them playing or facing Michigan. Uh, Michigan, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's got, um, they've got DK and a couple of other guys that are really good. Maryland, DK's a good receiver. Maryland, number three. Um, we have them both going against Illinois. Maryland. Maryland's got some good transfers in there as well. Yeah. I'm going to go with Maryland. And then you've got Minnesota, the second best receiving core. All, mostly transfers, but they've got that stud tight end. They've got the Gacoons yeah, and good. Elijah Spencer. I, yeah, they, they have both more, have them going against Michigan they State. They have more proven guys, Minnesota. Yep. 
So I've got the four top seeds. You've got one. You've got uh, Michigan against Michigan against Maryland. Maryland. And I've got Wisconsin against Maryland. I'll go Maryland, and then uh, we both have Minnesota against Ohio State. That's not even Ohio close. State. And I go. And I Ohio know State the wins. Answer, Ohio Marvin State. Harrison's best not, player in college football. Not even close. Best Ohio State has football. become wide receiver U in the Big Ten. Five stars. Unquestionably. Brian Hart. Unquestionably. All right, moving on to fourth down golf. We've got tournaments to talk about. We've got a couple questions in here. One from Chris from last week. We've got a little golf course review. So let's get to it. What do you want to start with? Um, let's talk about the Wyndham from last week real quick. Henley got screwed. Can we just say that? Yeah, like, that sucks. If you, like, the weather, they had a weather delay for a while, and so the broadcast went over to Golf Channel and it was later, but... Henley was tied for the lead, and on 16, he hit the ball in the green at Rolchitz at par 3, rolled off because it's a big slope, and it found its way into a divot the size of, like, I don't even know. I mean, it was a hole. It wasn't even a divot. It was a divot so many people had been in, and it was a hole. Like, how in the hell is that fair? Like, I get it. He didn't hold the green, but he didn't hit a bad shot, and he got the worst possible reward. Not a reward. The worst possible outcome in... Took a bogey, so he lost his stroke on the lead. And then the last hole, was it the last hole that he won the divot? Yeah. No, that no, was, no, that was 17, three. right? No, the par next three. hole. No, 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 no. That was the par three, but then the next hole where he hit it into the face. I, don't I think that was 17. Yeah, it was. It was. Divot. He hit it into the face of a really grassy hill, and it bounced, and it went back, and it went into a, a plug mark, basically, from before. Like, that's just total unluck. You know, it's I get it's the rules, but he got screwed. But props to Glover, who hadn't won in a while. He was very emotional Good with his, his daughter and his son. Um, you know, they, they were there. And, I mean, I think, like, he basically spoke, like, this gives me a chance to not have to play on be on the road as much because I just want a bunch of money to, you know, treat my family well and, and not have to be gone as much. So minus the FedEx playoff, which he went from absolutely out of it to absolutely in it because of that. So Good for him. <clears throat> JT, how about that? Tough. At the um, moment, I don't know that he really knew it, but he needed the birdie on the last hole to get in. Um, yeah, that was tough. As my friends would argue, well, then don't screw yeah, around no. the rest of the season. But still, like, he literally, that thing went and basically went over the hole twice and didn't drop. Yeah, that sucks. And he finishes just outside. He had good picks that this week. I, my guys finished ninth combined years, finished 14th. Nice. That is a good week then. Um, yeah. It's playoffs time. Playoffs? Want to do a picks real quick? Did you... Find some guys. Yeah, I got a couple guys. Um, I'm going to go with Rory and Max Homa. Okay. I think I like Rory's it. one of the uh, – Scotty, I think, is the low favorite. He's the odds-on favorite. I'm but going I, Hovland and Harris English. I think he's due. He's he played, played well there. Was it last year or two years two ago? Two years ago. Because he was hurt. Um, he was hurt last year. DeChambeau, who shot a 58. 58. I mean, I hate him, but that's pretty damn impressive. That's he crazy. jumped, like, extremely high. 13 he, under par. Made a 40-footer on the last hole to shoot the 58. Just yeah. pretty amazing. And then one more thing on Justin Thomas. He had a tweet. Um, it was interesting. He said, can you use adversity as an opportunity to shy away from a challenge or take it head on? It was a tough season for, him, but for me, but I actually had fun battling it out and playing golf this week. It's why we play. Beyond God, we didn't miss the playoffs, but I'm proud of how hard I fought. Hashtag onward. Yeah, that's good the right fun. attitude, a, right? Like, golf is, good guy. is a hard game. And we found out we played 84 holes in three days this weekend. Like, it's, 
It has the highest of high moments and it has the lowest of low moments, sometimes in the same hole. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. So I'm rooting for him. It, you know, the new, obviously the old format, he would have easily been in the playoff, but yeah. he's not, and that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. So mm-hmm. FedEx, um, St. Jude should be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I, I it's think a cool it's been a good tournament. Dustin Johnson tore that place up a few years ago, right? Like had the last year, out on the last year was the playoff with Straka and, uh, Zal Torres and I think Zal Torres hit it in the rock. You remember that? Oh yeah, that's right. It stuck somehow. That was yeah, crazy. That was crazy. That was crazy. So we got all that. So all right. So here's the question from Chris. Um, without probably having too much time to think about it, but pick a foursome of current Michigan State athletes, coaches, students, whatever. Um, that's currently at Michigan State. Why did you pick them, and what are you hoping to gain by spending four hours in the so golf course with them? Pick three people. Pick three people. To Tom is though. Um, what are you looking to gain from Tom? I would agree I with that. Think he seems like he's a fun guy. He's energetic. I just would love to stories, talk to him about his just his his coaching wisdom would go across to life, right? Like, and how how I would love to yeah. just get in his head as how he's endured the witch hunts like the Nasser stuff and endured the changing of players to being so soft and still finding guys that complement his style of play and that are willing to, to work and take criticism. Right. Cause that's so rare these days. Yeah. No. So I would say Izzo for sure. I completely agree. Um, second one, uh, I'll go some from football. Let's see. Darius Snow. He seems like a fun guy. I don't know why. He always posts fun stuff. He's a Spartan through and through. His dad, his uncle. I'm going to go with the boogeyman. Rick No Flair? Yeah. Cal. There's I mean, a video just, of him with gloves on. I, I just would. He's just old school, right? That's kind of like Izzo to me. He's throwback. He's he no no arm pads, no neck roll, no this, no that. Just he's no frills, like you said. Rick, no flair. Um, I would just love, I think he's probably a funny dude. I'd love to play with him, I would say. So that would be my football guy I for sure. There would be another one. I don't even know. Someone for the basketball team. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd like to play with the old president just to tee one up off his face. Yeah. For, for trying to turn Michigan State into a commuter school. Not really. I wouldn't want him in my foursome because I literally would drive a cart into a lake. Alan Haller would be cool. He's a nice, seems like a cool yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, Alan I mean, Haller, I mean, he was a, co- he was a cop. When I was at Michigan State, he was a cop. Yeah. That's or no, cool. actually, he was, I think he was I'm going to go with Mel. Mel would, Mel's swaggy. He'd probably give me some shoes or something. He's yeah, you know, I I agree. I think Mel would just be like smoking the stogies and wearing sweet shoes. And I think he likes golf too. Plus, he, he does a play dogs, and he likes hoops. And yeah, I think I I think he'd be fun. I don't think any of them are probably very good at golf, but that's okay. I would I would I, that, I would agree. Right. I would agree, and I would say if I picked a fourth person, it would be if we had a five, someone would be Haller. I think Haller would be just interesting to learn how. You know, he made athletics into his career. Obviously, he played college football at Michigan State, but like that's always been something I wanted to do. would be a cool one if you're a hockey person. He went from being a CJ guy to an uh, athletics guy, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, um, All right, another one for you. Artificial surface greens, the idea of that, yay or no? No, no. I read an article about that, about this course in Florida and how much money it saved him. is super interesting, and they can control the speed with sand, and they can get him to roll right and everything. Interesting concept. There's some it's courses. There's some con. There's some courses we play with dog meat greens that I would love to be, be artificial turf. All right, we won't spend a lot of time on it because we're already over an hour. But 
Great golf trip this weekend. Phenomenal. Played four wonderful golf courses. Um, Arcadia South, mm-hmm. which we have never pre pre or reviewed here. We played Arcadia Bluffs, um, twelve holes. We got in, which was awesome. Uh, Thank which you, Uncle was awesome. Tom. Yep. Thanks, Uncle Tom, for that. He was kind of a mix up. We were supposed to play there in the morning. Ended up playing the South, but then we got to play the Bluffs too. Then Manistee National, the Revenge mm-hmm. and the Retreat. Yeah, both awesome. Um, Let's let's do the the Manistee ones quick. Yeah, so you got like, revenge, tough, you know, not overly long or anything, but you know, force carries over marshes. You know, you got to you know hit it to certain spots. The greens rolled true; they weren't overly fast or anything, but course is in really good shape. I was happy with that. Um, six, just over six thousand yards in a one thirty nine slope. Was a fun course to play. I would definitely want to yeah. play it again. Not and not really target golf. No, but, it's just like you know, strategic. Yeah, you had to be. You had to be. You know smart. where you're going. You had and, to be accurate. Yeah. Know, um, know what club to hit. And, I liked it because I shot an 81 and started a a, a putting run that day yeah, for the was, ages. I had 27 stupid. putts in that round. I don't even know. Ryan and I decided between that round and our afternoon round that day, I probably made 200 feet plus of putts. Like least. I just, I, I, I've never putted that. I was unconscious when it came to putting. Um, I agree. I really like that course. You know, again, it's not, it wasn't overly long, but it wasn't like tricked up short either. The, no. the you know, the par threes were had a 187 yard par three, 181 yard par three. The last hole was a beast. Yeah. That was a bear. That was a tough hole. You know, three, Some six, good, good mix of shorter par three, fours and long. And good, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a great course. Um, you know, there were some wet spots because it rained a lot on Thursday. So there were some low spots that were kind of wet. Um, but generally speaking, a really, really nice course. And I'll throw in there the inn, you know, whatever it's, it's a golf lodge, you know, like you, you look around and it's not exactly the same clientele as Arcadia Bluffs that are staying there, but that's okay. So it's not like the best, but it's like, you know, a three star or whatever. It's fine. The food at the grill, the restaurant was unbelievable. Free hot well, breakfast, then, but then like their lunch menu was amazing. Their dinner was amazing. Ryan and I lost, so we had to buy dinner for tom had we played match play we would have won yeah they had a wood like an old ford truck turned into a wood-fired pizza truck that was super cool so that was the revenge we played there saturday morning Um, the treat was really good too the treat we played there yesterday it was open though funny yeah the ranger on the first tee what's the difference oh you guys will find this one a lot easier than the revenge um a lot more forgiving off the tee uh-uh. No, it was, I think it was, it was less. It was difficult. I mean, cool because there was there was this one hole where you could dog. It was a short dog leg left with a ginormous waste bunker, um, and kind of guarded by trees between the waste bunker and the fairway. That you could do iron iron into a short par four, or if you wanted to, you could take it over the waste bunker. Yeah, that was and cool. drive the green. Like Eighteen was cool, like that which I was able to do water. and and had a risk reward birdie and then i tried it was almost the same thing on the last one you had to like carry 250 over the water to get it to the green if you took the short way and i tried and i didn't hit it quite as crisp and i didn't get there but it was fun because it was there was some risk reward which i always say i'm a fan of on the pga tour um there were there was a 445 no more than that there was a 453 yard par four um you know, and then there was a 493 yard par five. So like, it was just a great mix. It was a tough course. It was actually in really good shape. Both of those courses putted really well. I thought the greens were in good shape. Yeah. Um, they're kind of the creme de la creme. Ryan would disagree 
and says they'll never play there again. But well, I won't play there again. Arcadia South. I pay, if, I was, if someone paid for it, I don't have to pay for it. Arcadia but. South is... It's a it's a one time not a one time like only play it one time but it's like a once in a you don't see courses like that like there I've never come close to another course like that it's old school with church pew bunkers the property couldn't be more different than yeah, Arcadia the property's Bells. awesome it's just a sweeping expanse of old orchard land not a single tree bunkers that are skinny like front to back so it's, and and with pretty good mounds over top so they're very penal and the sand was impossible to get out of my only argument there and greens that are enormous with a bajillion pin placements almost all of them are basically square shaped with a little bit of juts out here and there with unbelievable runoffs like there are times when you could hit it to the middle of the green but if you caught it on the wrong slope it would roll into a trap and you were screwed i mean i hit some good shots that ended up in up against the face of bunkers and I couldn't get out. It's it's it a course. Ridiculous. I will say this. For the average Joe, it is really hard and only 124 slope, which is no way. BS because no it way. is way harder than That's the one that was 139. Um at least. And the wind plays a factor because it's pretty windy there even though there's, you know, because there's no trees to guard anything. Everything's dry and fast. It's a run-up course, so you can't fly pins. You have to bounce no. it. You have to play a Green's kind of a stick off. They're concrete, but they roll amazing. I mean, I had, yeah, they're not fast or anything. I really. had twenty six putts in my second round there. My biggest gripe, honestly, and I get it. This is kind of like Lynx Golf in Scotland, Ireland, whatever. Twice I got screwed by hitting great two hundred and fifty yard drives into the smallest of pot bunkers in the dead middle of the fairway. Like, I don't mind a tough bunker like Church Pews on seventeen there up the left side. If you pull it left and you get in it, fine. But being right in the middle and getting penalized. I mean, on one point, I did just take my triple bogey and I couldn't get out of the trap. I tried a sand wedge from 180 yards just to get out of the trap. I couldn't get out of the trap because the sand was so difficult to hit out of. And just the contour and the layout of these bunkers, that's probably my biggest gripe. But that's part of what gives the course character, right? Um, I think it's it's a fun course. It's... I. I hit the shot of the my shot of the weekend there. Aside from my putting, I hit a four hybrid into the wind from 205 yards to 10 inches for a tap in birdie. But two holes later, you're putting it into one of those fairway bunkers, um, and you're taking a triple bogey seven or eight. I mean, it's 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 a <laughs> it's a course where you can be like, oh, I love this, I dig this. I shot a 39 the second time we played there on Saturday on the front, and then I shot a 48 on the back, just like. Nothing really changed. I just started finding the trouble. Um, you can find your ball in the fescue. You can find your ball in the heather. You don't lose a ball there. We played the only ball I lost there in two full rounds was one that was scuffy from in the cart path. So fun course if you're ever up north. Just, I mean, it's it's just do yourself a favor. Just be prepared unfair. that it's really hard and that it's gonna. There's no way you're gonna agree it's a 124 slope if you're an average like I'm a, right now a 10 10 index. Like I mean, I shot. 92 and an 87 there um you got to grind when you play there but it's it's worth it if you're going up there to play arcadia bluffs play the south do yourself a play just at least say you played it once you may hate it you may love it you may be hate it love it at the same time but either way it's worth it yep all right sprint time as we've gone on for a long time i'm sorry 
No need to apologize. It's all good content. All right. When will college football... I heard this on the radio this morning. Maybe think it was, When will college football become its own entity away from the NCAA? What's your guess? Mm, I think once it settles into either two or four mega conferences, I think those two or four mega conferences, let's just say for the sake of argument, the ACC and the Big 12 and it's the Big 10 and the SEC are the four or it's the SEC, Big 10 and those other two absorbed in there. I think once that alignment is made, it becomes its own thing. Then that becomes its own thing. And then I think you have division one that's everybody else. And then I think you have, you know, FCS. I don't know how the division structures would be, but I think that's when it separates from the NCAA. I think in the next two years, it's gone. Yeah, it could be. I mean, at the rate we're going, if Stanford and Cal go yet in the next couple of weeks, and it really starts to seismically, like the Pac-12 goes away, then you're really down to four. As long as nobody moves out of those, I agree. I think it's I think it's a couple years away. Petition to remove all middle of the fairway bunkers, yay or nay? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I just thought that'd be funny. Yeah, I agree. Best golf resort in Michigan? That's a good one because we've played a lot of them now. We've played Boyne, we've played Forest Dunes, we've played Garland, we've played, you've played Treetops. Manistee National. Manistee National. Top to bottom, it's Boyne. I mean, yeah, Boyne has I'm so many good Boyne courses. They've got, awesome. Their lodging is, is better than Manistee National. Um, I'm going Boyne. But, Boyne. man, she's you, you could you could make a summer out of doing golf trips weekend after weekend and play some yeah, damn good golf. We never even played Shanty Creek and some of the other ones. I, I've around. heard Shanty Creek's not great. They have one good course. Or, you go down south, you got, you know, Gull Lake courses. You got yep. Stoughton Bray and the Stone Hedges and Gull Lakes and Bedford Valley. I mean, there's so <clears> many good yep, courses. There's some good ones on the east side, too. Um, all right, last one. Best fast food sauce? Oh, man. Good question. Uh, RB sauce. Yeah, there you go. Are you, is that your answer? Yeah. All right. I'm going Chick-fil-A sauce. But RB sauce might be a close second. All right. That's 134 of these. Let us know what you want to hear. If you have any uh, you know, football questions, any golf ones you want us to hit on here in the next couple weeks, um, please hit us up with those um, via MySpace. Um <laughs> Mitch, we'll keep Snail working mail. your list. Chris, keep yours coming. That's bad. Yeah, you know, Ryan's afraid we're going long, but hey, it's we're just answering no, we're the getting, questions I, of the people. Nope, yep, we're just giving the people what they want. That's exactly. All. Shout out to everyone who listens. Mitch, Kyle, Riley, if you're still listening. Chris, Mana, we appreciate Dauber. you guys. Dob, um, you guys are the best. All right. All right. That's all I've got. Meantime, as someone unknown once said... Maybe likely they were thinking about people or teams like the U.S. women's national team. What goes around comes around, and sometimes you get what's coming around.